Everyone, thanks for joining us for the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Brock, and I am here with a very special co-host today, Lauren Oquist. Did hey I say everyone. that right? Yeah, Oquist. Your last name is always so tricky. You know, it's more phonetic than people think it is. I don't even know what phonetic means, but it I'm means that roll it, with that. It sounds like <laughs> the way it's spelled. Well, some of you might recognize Lauren from her teaching earlier in the podcast called I'm Not Qualified to Be a Proverbs 31 Woman. She's filling in today, and we are super stoked to have her here. And I'm super stoked to be here, Meredith. Thanks. Glad to hear that. If this is your first time joining us for the podcast, first of all, we're really glad you're here. And the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast is about biblical truth, and we believe that biblical truth is applicable for any girl in any season. So, hey, you're in the right place. And that's right, Lauren. We're not going to waste any time today because we have a real treat. My dear friend and president of Proverbs 31 Ministries, Lisa Turkhurst, is here to give us a teaching. Lisa? All right. Well, we're actually going to go Old Testament today. Oh, oh I can't wait. And um, if you're a note taker and you like to know what is this podcast going to be about today. I'm calling this one Misplaced Affections. And it's something we all have. It's something we deal with. But I want to take us back to the Old Testament because sometimes it's easier to identify our issues and admit to our issues if we can see them in someone else. So we're going to go back to uh, the Old Testament. And first, let me say, if you are wanting to open up your Bibles and follow along, I hope you do, because there's there are some passages here that I think will be great to mark down in your Bible. But I have to say, sometimes the Old Testament can be tricky where to find certain things, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So I just want to state clearly right up front, there is no shame in turning to the table of contents. So, uh, And when you do turn to the table of contents, or if you happen to be one of those Bible sword drill champions from the past. Guilty. Right? Not me. Guilty. Not me. <laughs> Hey, I rock those. I rock those Bible. I, I believe this. I hundred be, percent believe oh that goodness. you know how to use your sword better than I would me. shake yeah. with the competition. Oh boy, I yeah. got intense. Well, well I like competition kid. too, but I would sweat during the competition because I never knew how to find anything, and everybody yeah. always beat me to the punch here. So that's yeah. why I'm super sensitive. You know, there's no shame in turning the table of contents. To shall we? The table of contents. Yes. If the Holy Bible has it in there, then it's just as holy as the other pages. So that's Utilize fine. it. Utilize mm-hmm. it. Use it, girl. All right. We're going to be in First Kings today. And um, I want to take us to give us a little context in First Kings. I want to take you to First Kings chapter 3, which is the verse where the verse is located that I want to park on today. But to give you some context, what we're finding here in First Kings is First uh, Kings chapter 2, there's David's charge to Solomon. So, you know that David uh, was the reigning king, and um, this is the same David, if you've ever heard of David and Goliath, and, you know, the whole nine yards with David. Um, So, he was anointed by the prophet Samuel uh, to be the future king, even though uh, that story is very painful for David because his father brought in his brothers and did not bring in David to even be considered to be anointed as the future king. But when Samuel, after he looked at all the other brothers, 
brothers. He said, do you have any others to David's father, Jesse? Jesse admitted that he had left David out in the field to tend the sheep instead of bringing him in. They eventually bring David in. He's the one. He's anointed king. So now it's time for David to hand over the reins of rule for the country to one of his sons. There's um, some excitement that happens because Mm -hmm. one of the other sons of David decides to jump the gun and proclaim that he's going to be the king. But in the end, Solomon wins out and Solomon is the next king. So in First Kings chapter two, we find David's charge to Solomon. And then in, uh, Second Kings uh, chapter, I mean, in First Kings chapter three, we find a very interesting story where God offers to give Solomon anything, and um, and 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 he he just the Lord is going to bless Solomon in whatever way he asks, and um, what Solomon asks for reveals that Solomon has a lot of good going on in his heart. Uh, So I'm going to read you this, but then we're going to back up, and we're going to read something that gives us a clue that though Solomon had a good heart, there were some misplaced affections Hmm. in the midst that wound up doing a lot of destruction um, to Solomon. And I think if we can identify it in Solomon's life— Maybe it'll make us brave enough to identify it in our own life. So um, this interesting, uh, these verses first that I want to read before I take you to the main verse I want to park on today. Um, It says in, um, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 3, um, where, uh, let's let's start at verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God asked, God said to Solomon, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father, David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. And if you are underlining anything in the Bible, I want you to underline that upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. And I just want to stop here and just say, um, I love the humility that's being demonstrated in Solomon's heart yeah. because I oh, feel sure. like having just been appointed the king, I would be much more tempted to say, you know, um, Lord, thank you for giving me this opportunity. I'm going to just knock it out of the park. You know, yeah. I hear all my qualifications that you have given me yeah. and I'm going to utilize those strengths and those qualifications mm-hmm. and my Enneagram one and my, yeah, yeah, yeah. all the stuff, <laughs> all my, the yeah. stuff, my you five know, strengths, yeah. and my... all the stuff that I have. Lord, you have blessed me and I'm going to use it. But I love this humility. And he comes to the Lord and he is like, you know, Lord, I'm really just a child. And uh, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Mm. I think that this would honor the Lord wow. so much if we would go to him and say, wow. Lord, you are the pursuit of my heart. I don't know how to do my duties. Yeah. I admit that, yeah, I may have a few degrees hanging on my wall, or yeah, I may have some years of experience under my belt, or yeah, other people may have said that I was able to do this. But Lord, honestly, 
this is new to me, and I'm just going to come to you and be honest. I don't know how to do it. And I just think that humility is precious, and it shows a lot of humility in Solomon's heart, humility that I want to emulate. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So this is what Solomon asked from the Lord, verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And then verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administrating justice, I will, or administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. Wow, what a profound time with the Lord, right? And um, in Solomon's demonstrating this beautiful humility, the Lord is being so gracious and giving to him. There's a lot of affection uh, between Solomon and the Lord, Mm. but there is this little part of Solomon's heart that has some misplaced affections, and we find it right before this interaction ever occurs. We find it if you go up to verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given to him by his father David, except, and if you're writing in your Bible or taking notes, circle that word except, that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Now, you'll read about this a lot in the Old Testament, this whole situation of the high places, the high places, the high places. So I decided, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, and um, I really want to better understand this because I have to believe that this, if this was a reoccurring problem Mm -hmm. for the people of Israel, God's people, then it's probably we're reading about it because God knew it would be a duplicating problem Mm -hmm. in our hearts as well. So, I mean, the Lord has put together the stories from the Old Testament. These were real people with real issues. But I think it's so that as we read God's word, it can become a mirror reflecting the own issues that we're going to have because these aren't just the problems of the people at that time. It's a problem for people all the time. That's right. For sure, right? yeah. And so I did a little digging. Here's some history behind the high places. Um, and uh, the place I did some digging, you know, we have this amazing theological guru here at Proverbs 31, Joel. And love Joel. so love him. Yeah. So helpful. So he is, um, I, I asked Joel, I went to him and I just said, Joel, help me figure out the high places. I really want to better understand the history of them and then how do they relate to us? So I'm going to just read to you a little bit of my notes from my discussion with Joel. Uh, Egyptian and Mesopotamian uh, gods back in this day, okay, mm-hmm. were were um, revered as getting stuff done. Like if you, like the people of Egypt and the people of Mesopotamia, they had gods that they would go to for very specific things that they wanted done in their life. And um, it's actually 
an echo of the children of Israel when they made the golden calf. You see, they were emulating what they'd seen done when they were in Egypt. And so it's kind of like the thing of the day. If you are having an issue in your life, then you go to the God that can get that issue fixed in your life. And so this is an echo where of the golden calf where the Israelites worshiped that which they thought had actually brought them out of Egypt. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we want to be able to touch the answer yes. rather than having faith in a God who has answered, mm-hmm. right? Wow. And so the high places were places of worship. And this is really the things that we revere um, that that we think is actually uh, doing something good in our life that we want done. And here's the thing about what we revere. We will become um, like what we revere, and it will either lead to our ruin or to our restoration. Hmm. So it's very important where we place our affections, where we place our reverence. Um, and if we misplace our affections, if we misplace what we really revere highest in our life, it will lead to ruin. Hmm. Whereas if we properly place it in the hands of God, it will lead to restoration. So Solomon as the king was called to reorient the people around God. And he had such an opportunity to tear down the high places and to reorient the children of Israel because this is a reoccurring theme, them building high places and worshiping false gods because everybody in the society is doing that. The the countries all around them, they had gods for certain things. So yeah. it was like the thing to do. Solomon had such an opportunity. At, he's king now. He has an opportunity to tear down the high places, reorient the people to the truth and demand that they absolutely turn to the one true God instead of turning to these false gods and having something that they'd rather touch than, than, than God to have faith in, right? Mm. But this is where I'm so challenged. He didn't do that. Ultimately, Solomon's sin here is that he idolized the affections of the people more than the affections of God. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, Really, we're talking about idolatry here, right? Mm -hmm. So idolatry is anything we hold to a higher standard than God, anything we give more effort to and value more than turning to God. And that's where I get so incredibly challenged because these high places in the children of Israel's life, this was a regular part of their routine. So I just want you to think about this, okay? Mm-hmm. It's something that they turned to as a regular part of their routine because they had an expectation it was going to give them something that that could they could check a box. They could say, oh, I'm having fertility issues. Well, then I'm going right. to go to the fertility right. God. I'm going to check that box. I'm going to have a marked moment where I know I've gone. Because sometimes it's easier in our human brains to say, I've done what I can do then to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you to do what you're going to do. Yeah. So it's really taking that control and taking, when we take control back from God, we also take our affection away from from God. Yeah. And I think that's wow. really important. So as I'm looking at this and listening to it, I'm really challenged. What is a part of my regular routine where I am taking back mm-hmm. control 
from God, which basically means removing my affection from God and misplacing it by something else that I can touch that's in my midst. All right, so now... It's going to be confession time because as we listen to this, I think it's our duty to confess where are we turning as part of our regular routine uh, to something that we can touch Mm. to get a Mm. need met. But what we don't realize is we're trading our affection for God in those moments, which brings idolatry down to a whole different level, right? right? right. And so this is going to be confession time right here on the Proverbs 31 podcast. Confessions of a Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah, well, Lauren, don't get so excited because it's not just Meredith and I confessing. Oh, you're going to have time to confess too. Oh, I can't wait. You are <laughs> cannot wait. For it. Okay, so I'll go first so okay. that it won't be so painful. And um, and here's where I'm really challenged. Uh, when I wake up first thing in the morning, I have a choice. It's the mm. first choice that I make of every gift of a new day. I have a choice of where I'm going to place my affections by where I give those first few minutes of my day. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I'm more intrigued to check in with Instagram Mm -hmm. than I am with the First Five app, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The First Five app is something that I helped develop here at Proverbs 31. I believe in it very, very much. I know the research that we put into that app that when our when we sleep at night in, in as, as we sleep baby neurons are formed in our brain and when we wake up in the morning where we use those baby neurons first thing in the morning uh, where we place those where we give our first thoughts to that is going to determine my pattern of thought throughout the entire day I know mm-hmm. this I've taught this I've lived this and yet Every single morning, I am so tempted to not give my first thoughts to God's word. And instead, just really quick, just let me check on Instagram really, really quick, just because I'm curious about that post that I made yesterday. Did it resonate with people? Or I want to check in with the news. Did I miss anything overnight? Right. You know, is there anything oh, that I'm so out of the and loop so have on? Her baby right, did. Yeah, yeah. right. I just, I just gotta kind of know. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, I will want to uh, just get up and just give the first few moments to myself. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. just don't bother me. Like, mm-hmm. I just, you know, and and praise music. No, I need some pick me up music. You know, <laughs> and uh, so I'm so challenged in the morning because. Honestly, for me, there is a marked difference in my day. I'm not saying this because I'm a Christian and it's a Christian thing to say. I'm saying I've seen it. There is a marked difference in my day when I place my affections, when I set my affections first thing on the Lord, when I get into God's Word and let His Word determine my pattern of thought for the rest of the day. And what's really amazing, God already knows what I'm going to see today. He already knows what I'm going to face today. He Mm. already knows the situations I'm about to step in. And so how it must break his heart to see me turn to something Mm. that will never be able to prepare me like he would be able to prepare me. And so that's my confession, that it is something I still have to choose Mm -hmm. um, to be part of my regular routine, to turn away from these high places that are very much in my midst and to go and kneel before the Lord. And isn't it interesting that the people struggled with high places? 
you know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, when God constantly calls us to meet him in the position, the low posture of kneeling wow. and prayer and submission. Wow. I'm yeah. just really challenged by that. Yeah. That's wow. cool. Wow. Well, you want to go next or should I? Because I'm, I'm trying to decide which one is the least embarrassing thing to admit. Oh, I'll go, I'll go next. I'll okay, go you're next. Let me yeah. buy some time over here. Yeah, okay. sure. Um, for me, I would say Amazon.com is um, a place that I like to go to whenever I feel like I need to fill, um, solve a specific problem in my life, you know, and that's kind of what I thought of when you talked about the Egyptian gods, the very specific ones that Mm. would solve specific problems because I'm like, oh my goodness, whenever I need a new, you know, a new cleaner or something, I was just looking online for a vacuum cleaner the other day, you know, it's, I just go straight to Amazon and while yes, I do need some of these things, a lot of it is just something to do. It's like idle hands. What's the phrase? Idle hands are the devil's handiwork. You know, Mm, it's like, maybe I'm bored. Maybe I'm feeling lonely and I just Mm. need something to do. Well, I guess I can just go buy something for that. Retail therapy. Yeah. The very niche thing that I thought of a couple days ago, you know, it is very much retail therapy. Yeah. And so getting that package, Mm -hmm. you know, on my doors, it does. It feels Mm -hmm. really good. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel like, wow, someone was thinking of me, even if it was like a warehouse guy loading it onto a, (laughs) To a little dolly or something. He was in he was thinking moment, of me. He did something nice for you. Yeah, he did. He did. He, did. <laughs> he, he was being paid by the hour, but he did it for me. Yeah, he did. Um, I think honestly, we joke, Lauren, but I think that that is so. It's more prevalent than I think people yeah. want to admit. Because mm-hmm. I yeah. know for me, my goodness, uh, it kind of mine kind of ties to that, but is a little bit different. Um, where for me, that place where I place my affections is on my accomplishments Mm. and my ability Mm -hmm. to get a lot done. Watch me now. Watch Meredith get it all done, Mm -hmm. you know, and I work myself and I I work myself into such a fury because I'm like, I know I can get this done. Watch me. I can get this done. I can get this done. Mm -hmm. But what I'm doing in that moment is placing my affections on numero uno, Mm -hmm. me, Mm -hmm. Meredith, you know, and sometimes it's a list of things that I need to buy, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, okay, watch me. I'm going to get yep. all this stuff done that I need to get done. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Amazon this and then I'm going to swing by the grocery store and I'm, I'm going to place my order online so that I can just swing by and pick it up, you know. And before I know it, I'm in this like hustling mindset mm-hmm. rather than in this trusting mindset mm-hmm. that I know that that's where the Lord wants me to operate from. Mm-hmm. And it's you almost know? like I'm going to do something to make myself feel good oh. because I don't trust that the Lord has that ability. Oh my goodness. 100%. 100%. I know. 100%. Yeah. For me, yeah. accomplishing stuff makes me feel so good. Mm-hmm. Like that is my drug of choice, y'all. Mm-hmm. Like w- look at my list. It is, has a hundred things. I'm mm-hmm. going to get 150 done today, yeah. you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, I can be like, brush my shoulders off, check uh, me. Yeah. You know, when that, uh, to be quite honest, and I, I, I hesitate to use this language because I don't know that the Lord is ever repulsed by me as his daughter. But that that part of me that trusts so deeply in me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think breaks his heart mm-hmm. because he's saying, you don't have to do all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. and I think it's so, in, which I was, again, once again, as usual, taking notes furiously when Lisa teaches something. Um, I think it's so interesting to put that right next to what Solomon asked of the Lord, mm-hmm. that humble moment mm-hmm. where he was saying, 
I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I can't do everything. Mm-hmm. The Lord was so pleased with that heart right there. Yes. yes. Not that was the what pleased one. him. Yeah. Yes. That heart yeah. that was so like surrendered before him and said, I can't do this. You've given me this assignment and I can't do it. And I know my drug of choice is, oh yeah, I can Mm -hmm. watch me. I can totally do it. Mm -hmm. You know? And that same drug of choice is what puts me like at my wits end and gets me to this place where I feel so distant from the Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. We're talking about how back in the day it was common. It was so common to have these high places with these gods. And I think of today it's so common for someone to say to someone else, why don't you meet me halfway? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll rub your back if you rub mine. Is yeah, that yeah. the correct? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I don't know. But <laughs> if that's not how God works. You know, we yeah. feel like, oh, as, as long as I'm, you know, I'm doing this and this, then God will meet me halfway. Well, he's, someone told me one time, Jesus is always one step away. Mm-hmm. He's never, he's never, you half, know, halfway. he's never halfway. He's yeah. right there the whole time. Yes. And you don't have to do all this striving in order to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. So good. Well, I'm going to bring in a little football story right now, which football, I think is going to be like so odd for the Proverbs 31 podcast. Yeah, a lot of football fans. Right? right here. But you guys are both familiar with this football story because it's actually, it actually led to um, us incorporating this, what we learned from the story into our family values here at Proverbs 31. Mm, yes. And so I was watching the Golf Channel one day. Don't even ask me why I was watching the Golf <laughs> Channel. You know, oh my hashtag you love golf. boring moment yeah, of well. Life, right? Sorry, golfers. If you're listening right now, we apologize, but I'll never get it. Yeah. I try. It's okay. I mean, I think golf is amazing, but why I was watching the golf channel, I have no idea. So anyways, but they had uh, an interview on with Nick Saban, who's the football coach for the University of Alabama. Um, my family are all Alabama fans. I know. Just, you know, don't hate me because of it. Roll but, tide. Uh, Roll tide. Yes. So they absolutely love it. So I was intrigued to hear this personal interview by Nick Saban, and he was talking about some of his recruiting strategies. And um, so he was talking about one of the final steps is he gets all these reports back from the recruiters that have gone out and really gotten to know the different players that uh, they may be interested in recruiting to come and play at Alabama. And um, each of his recruiters type out this report. And Nick Saban said he skips past all of the stats, the impressive stats about each player, because he already knows that his recruiters are going to put players in front of him who all have impressive of stats. What he looks at are the notes at the very bottom of the page. And he said he looks for two words, and and but. Mm-hmm. And he said, if this player has impressive stats, which all of the players in front of him have impressive stats, and then there's this little note at the bottom, and the recruiter goes on to describe amazing leadership skills, great character, mm-hmm. good work ethic, all of that, then that player gets put in the stack of ands. But there's this other stack. And it's the stack of the butts. This player has impressive stats, but has a problem following leadership, has a problem with being a showboat on the field, has a problem being a team player. All of those butts get put into the second stack. Mm. And he wants people of the ands, not the butts, to right. be on his team. Mm. And so when I heard this story, I was so impressed by this recruiting strategy that we actually implemented it. And it became part of our the, the way that we encapsulate our culture here at Proverbs mm-hmm. 31 Ministries, the way we have a list of family values. And one of our high values here at Proverbs 31 is that we are people of the ands, not the butts. That we want to be people who teach God's word, who 
know God's word, but yeah. but even more than that, that we live it out authentically, That's that right. we live mm-hmm. out God's word authentically and that we're changed by God's word authentically um, because we want to be people of the ands, not the mm-hmm. buts, right? right? Yep. And so as I read these verses about Solomon, this is why I had you circle the word accept because that's the same mm. kind of word as putting yeah. him in the that's category right. of being a people of the but it's and not but. the and, it's right? I'm going to read the verse one more time for First Kings chapter 3, verse 3. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to his instructions given him by his father David, but, or except, mm. that he offered sacrifices and burnt incense on the high mm. places. And this wasn't just something that happened at the beginning of Solomon's reign. This grew into a big problem. And I want to take you to a couple other places in scripture where we see the multiplied impact. This wasn't just an issue at the very beginning of Solomon's reign as king, but it became a really big issue throughout his reign. Mm -hmm. And then it's even going to be revisited in the end times, which is just shocking to me. Uh, Solomon, who had so much, who God had given him such wisdom, discernment, plus all the wealth and honor that he could, he was, he was the king of all kings, you know, but he was a man. And we know that short of Jesus Christ himself, who is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Solomon was a man who fell very short, but it was this thing. It was these misplaced affections that led to really such a mark in his legacy, a black mark against his legacy. Um, So if you look over in 1 Kings chapter 11, um, actually, let's start in, in chapter 10, verse 22. Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Amazing, right? Can you yeah. imagine being known as the wisest man of your time? No. I mean, there was no other <laughs> king like him, right? So, but now look right after that in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon, however, mm. okay, remember we just talked about be a people of the ands and not the buts, right? He had all of this, but however, scripture says, he loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. And mm. then there's a list of all the ites from all the foreign women. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, we see another but word there. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord God as the heart of David his father had been. Now skip on down to verse 7. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place. So not only did he not tear down the high places, but he married these women mm-hmm. who he held fast to instead of holding fast mm-hmm. to the love of the Lord, his misplaced affections. And then these wives that were from foreign lands who worshiped other gods, they uh, 
convinced him that not only did he not need to tear down the high places, he needed to build them. And so this, it may seem like such a small little detail on a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place um, for his wives to worship their false gods. But this is actually a much bigger deal Mm. because we find a reference to this in Zechariah chapter 14. I'm going to read you verse four. It says, on that day, his feet... Now, this is talking about the day when Jesus comes back and the feet that's being referred to when Jesus comes back. And on that day, Jesus's feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from the east to the west, forming a great valley with half the mountain moving north and half moving south. On the day that Jesus returns, the Mount of Olives is where he will return. He ascended from the Mount of Olives, and then he will return to the Mount of Olives. Mm -hmm. If you want to look up a little more information about him ascending from the Mount of Olives. You can find that in Acts chapter 1. But he ascends from the Mount of Olives and he returns to the Mount of Olives. So think about the biggest day in history when Jesus Christ returns, when his feet plant on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is already set up on a fault line. There's tectonic plates that form the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is already set up for this. It will split in two. And do you know what scientists say? That that part that will split off is the Mount of Corruption, which is called the Mount of Corruption, which is the third hump of the Mount of Olives. And that is where Solomon allowed his wives to build those those altars to those false gods. That's unreal. If you were to go to the Mount of Olives today, you would see it's it's a very small, it's not like a big mountain range like we would see in Colorado. It's not like that. This is a small uh, little grouping of hills, really, that come together to form the Mount of Olives, but there's three peaks on top of the Mount of Olives. There's Mount Scopus, Mount of Olives, and Mount of Corruption. That Mount of Corruption is what scientists believe it will be the portion that will split off. And many people believe that that part that splits off will crumble, and when the temple rises, the water that comes from the temple that flows east and west, you can read about it in Ezekiel, the water will rise with such force from the temple that it will carry away that part, the Mount of Corruption that's fallen, and that is what will be pushed into the Dead Sea and with such force that the Dead Sea will then be teeming with life. In other words, God will not be mocked. This is a much bigger deal than what we ever... We're just talking about like this little verse, this little mentioned in 1 Kings about misplaced affections, Mm -hmm. but it's not little at all. You know, He allowed that to continue. He allowed... He continued over the course of his life, we see it throughout the description of Solomon's life, that he was a people of the buts and not the ands, that he continued to misplace his affections over and over. And a lifetime of misplaced affections does not go unnoticed. And obviously, there is redemption with the Lord. Obviously, there's forgiveness. Obviously, we don't serve a God who's just waiting for us to be caught in this and messed up in this. But we are responsible for understanding Mm -hmm. that what we're hearing is more important than what we even know. And I just cannot imagine that it will—I just can't imagine that day. 
you know, when Jesus returns, what a statement it is for the misplaced affections to finally crumble and for all of those to be washed to the depths of the sea, to be remembered no more. But what a powerful lesson for us Mm. to take God's word, hold it up, and let it mirror anything in our heart where there are misplaced affections. God made it so clear we are to do two things. We are to love him and we are to love other people. And we cannot do that effectively and with as much passion as possible if we are caught up in our misplaced affections. And honestly, it just comes down to what we talked about, our feelings. When I feel empty, Mm. when I feel in need, when I feel lonely, when I don't feel important enough, when I feel small, when I feel incapable, when I have all of those feelings, do I trust the Lord enough to take those things to Him? Or do I need something in this world to ease the ache of my disappointments, my 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 feelings of emptiness. Do Mm -hmm. I need that? And boy, Mm -hmm. that really challenges me in a good way, not in a way to feel condemned, not in a way to feel uh, like defeated in this issue, but in a healthy reminder to say, you know what? Tomorrow when I get up in the morning, I'm going to remember this lesson and I am going to give my first affections, my highest affections to the Lord. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, um, I thought of this first while you were talking in Psalm 121, where David says, I look to the hills. Mm. Where does my help come from? So good. Almost like he's looking in looking to those high places. And I even heard a friend explain it to me this way. It's as if he's looking right at these idols and saying, but where does my help come from? Wow. You know? Wow. I love that, Lauren. I wrote down while you were talking, Lise, I'm going to read it and hopefully it comes out and makes sense. But I said, it's hard to not turn your affections to the easy things. It requires perseverance and times of living with unmet needs for a while. Mm-hmm. And I said, when our needs are met somewhere else, other than within our relationship with the Lord, there are hard consequences to that. Mm-hmm. And yep. for me, when I think about the consequence that I think is in front of me, if I continue kind of this lifestyle of hustle, like I get, I feel good when I get things done. It mm-hmm. fills my tank. Now there's nothing really bad in the doing that, right? Right. Other than I'm, I'm placing my affections on that. I'm I'm getting my cup filled by doing that. But for me, just thinking there's consequences to it no matter what. Solomon's consequences is, is rather dire, you know. But mine, I think, will probably end up being as simple as my relationships probably won't have the depth that they would have had I not been hustling all the time mm-hmm. to go and get done and make happen. And, you know, and, and anytime you misplace your affections— and you can't just receive what it is the Lord has for you in that season, whether it means you're going to have unmet needs for a while, mm-hmm. just receiving that, okay, all right, Lord, you're going to fulfill that need in yeah. your time, yeah. rather than me going out and trying to fulfill it myself because there feels like a, a black hole, you know, um, you'll have consequences if you try to shove something in that. That's bag. right. Yeah. Um, something I wrote in my um, my book that's coming soon, it's not supposed to be this way, which is a whole lot of exploring the disappointments and right. devastations and disillusionments in my life. Um, 
pretty dire season of unmet expectations and just hard realities. But one thing I wrote in there is that my areas of greatest desperation often lead to the most wonderful revelations from God. Yes, And I think that if we don't let ourselves, if we're always trying to turn to a high place, turn to a created thing rather than turning to the creator and saying, fix me, make me feel better immediately. And we don't ever let our soul just sit before the Lord Mm -hmm. in that place of desperation, you know, in that place of, I need you, Lord, and if only we you will and know. only yeah. you, if we if we're all the time trying to quickly fix and patch up and right. make these bad feelings go away, if we never sit before the Lord with our desperation, yes. then He, uh, what we miss out on is those great, amazing revelations right. from yeah. Him. And there's a gift in the mix, but the gift is only from the Lord. Right. It will never be given to you. The great mm-hmm. gifts of revelation will never be given to you from created things. Yep. So good, Lisa. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. Uh, I have really, really enjoyed this teaching. I know hearing what the Lord is speaking to you always means so much to me, and I know our listeners appreciate it as well. And if you want to connect with Lisa daily, social media is the perfect way to do that. So you can find her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at Lisa Turkhurst. That but we're only- outside. But only. only after you've spent your time with the Lord. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, don't you get on that social media first thing in the morning, Lauren. Uh, pff, sorry, I was just reading the script. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So you heard us talk about the first five app. I want yes, to tell you guys yes. a little about it, a bit about it. It is totally free. All you have to do is get into your app store, download it. We have a daily teaching, um, five days a week. And then on the weekends, we have a really great audio message that you can enjoy. Um, and we would love to meet you there. So go download it, enjoy it, meet us there in the First Five mobile app. Or go to the website, firstfive.org. That's right. And it's the number five, first, F-I-R-S-T, the number five.org. That's right. And even though it's so hard to say goodbye, we've got to wrap it up. Thank you again, Lisa, for your message today. I can't wait to check out our hashtag P31 podcast and see what everyone's takeaways are when they hear it. I know I learned a ton from your teaching today. It was incredible. Well, I I personally appreciated Lauren's little um, singing episode just then. Couldn't you do that again for me really quick? You don't want me to do it? No, I want you to do it one more time. Say it. It's so hard. No, It's so hard to say goodbye. We might end all all of our. Yes. That's nice. We're going to end all of our uh, podcasts that way from now on. Well, guys, before we sign off, we have this saying I need to leave everyone with. And that is when you know the truth of God's word and you live the truth of God's word, it will change everything. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.